Good morning again. Welcome. Um, Pastor Craig is actually in Latvia uh, visiting one of our commissioned missionaries. So I get to uh, preach to you guys today. Um, one of the funny things I, I told my wife when I was preparing to preach this week, I said, I've never had to preach a bad one twice. Normally, if you preach a bad one, you don't ever do it again, right? And having to do two services, it kind of made me nervous because you, you ain't got time to do it again. You just have to do the same one. So uh, maybe this one will go better than the first one. And thanks again for being here. If you're watching online, thanks for being with us. If you have your Bible, please turn to Exodus chapter number 20. We're going to read one verse, verse number 7. This is our passage for this week. One announcement that I forgot to mention to you. Uh, our trunk retreat is, or fall festival, uh, is at the end of this month. Where we uh, gather here and uh, serve our community uh, by doing our trunk retreat and, and giving out a bunch of candy. So we need a bunch of candy. If you would, uh, please bring some and donate it. You can find one of the boxes sitting around uh, the church. Bring it to the church office. Um, if you bring it to me and Kevin, we'll eat it. Um, so don't give it to us. All right, Exodus chapter 20. If you would, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. One verse, verse number seven says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit that leads us and brings to mind all the things that you have said this morning as we consider your name. I pray, God, that you would teach us to do uh, what the Word says, to take it correctly, not in vain, taken in power and in truth. In Christ's name, amen. I've had many different names by way of introduction in my life, many different nicknames. I'm going to tell you the first two. All right, the first two nicknames that I can remember, uh, a man named Mike Holmes called me Tadpole when I was just a little guy. I guess he called me Tadpole because it described how I was and who I was. I kind of ran around a lot, never was still in one place. So that's what he nicknamed me. And then the second one I can remember, you know, as far back as I can remember, I was called BJ. Um, my dad's name is Buddy. Uh, so I was Buddy Jr. and I was called BJ. So those are two nicknames that I got. But, you know, the thing that you get about nicknames is nicknames come to you and they describe something that you experience or describe something you know or who you are and names matter names have a way of showing the best and the worst of us I've been embarrassed by my name before my wife uh, when I had my wisdom teeth removed I was sedated and woke up and she took me to Walmart <laughs> she held my hand in the parking lot and then she let me go once we got inside. I guess she wasn't worried about what was going to happen inside Walmart, and I just shouldn't get hit by a car. So I get inside Walmart, and, you know, my name gets called over the loudspeaker, and I was embarrassed, not in that moment, but later on. Then that moment, I could care less. But I've been embarrassed by my name. I've been terrified by my name a couple of times. When you are, have parents that call you by both names, your first and your middle name, and like the degree to which you're in trouble is how many, you know, depends on how many names they use. And I remember almost, you know, I remember thinking the first time I did it to Dean, I said, you know, and I called him by both names. I, I remember thinking, where did that come from? Like, it's not like I stayed up the night before and decided that, you know, when he gets in trouble tomorrow, this is what he's getting, but it just comes out. And parents, you know what I'm talking about? It's not like you just start doing it. All of a sudden, it's just there. I've been terrified by getting my name called, both my names called. 
But see, names mean something because they describe us and they follow us. And we are known by them. And so it is with God when we come to this third commandment. We're going to answer the question, how do you take God's name? We're going to talk about the, the do nots of taking God's name in vain and the way you should, you should do and what you should do in taking God's name and how it applies to you. So number one this morning, do not take God's name vainly. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Let's get through some technical stuff first. When we speak of vanity, what we're going to talk about this morning is that emptiness without weight, right? Let the right person with the right title walk in here right now, and we announce that person's entrance, and the person identified by their name and title gives them weight, The technical name of vanity means to take God's name without significance, authority, power, reverence. To take God's name in vain is to live unfaithfully to who God has revealed himself to be. How do you take God's name? It's important because however it is you take God's name indicates how you value who he is. So this is a command meaning don't use God's name as a curse Firstly, most of us learned, do not, or you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Firstly, as do not use it to curse. God does not have a last name. So you do not get to use God's name and then a word after that as a curse word. We can go through and I can sit here and tell you all the ways that you could do that, but some of the most simple ways you know, because some of the most Simple ways we do use God's name flippantly and in vain. Have you ever texted OMG? Did you use a capital G? I believe if you would have, you would have uh, recognized the significance of taking God's name in vain because you just took it flippantly without weight. Have you ever used one of those entry words or, you know, words that may get you into more trouble? If you actually said the real word, you might say, oh my gosh. But see, everybody knows what you meant when you said it. Everybody knows the name that you meant to say, and you think you're just sliding past that third commandment by using G-O-S-H. How you take God's name indicates how you value him. And so don't take it flippantly, in vain, without weight. Do not take God's name falsely. You must not use God's name to sell your lie. Right? How many of you have heard of a relationship that ended because God led them to end that relationship? Somebody might say, I prayed and God led me to, to, you know, not date you anymore. Like it happens more at a younger age, but I guess it could happen to us adults. That's taking God's name falsely because unless you could put your name, I mean your finger on verse and chapter where God led you to that place, then I would be very careful about claiming God's name. In the New Testament, we're not to take God's name falsely. And Jesus says in Matthew, 30, Matthew 5, 33 through 37, that you should let your yes be yes and your no be no. To swear by anything else is a sin. 
So when we say, I swear to God, blank, Jesus says, don't do that. Because you have to think about why you would actually do that, right? Because you're trying to sell whatever it is that came out of your mouth and you're trying to get somebody to believe it. So you appeal to a higher authority and you'll take it as far as you need to take it, right? You'll say, I promise. You'll say, I swear on my grandma's grave. Everybody's heard that one. And then you'll like take it as far as you can. I swear to God. But you have to think about if you have to actually take God's name to use it to justify the position that you're trying to sell in that point, it's because you have already not living a life, lived a life that's trustworthy. Jesus said your life should reflect who he is so that your yes should be yes and your no should be no. And everyone should receive it without question of truth. The third commandment has a clause and the clause is serious. If we take God's name flippantly and falsely and in vain, it says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we just flip over, you know, to Leviticus chapter number 24 and you read a story of a young man who got into a fight and then he cursed and blasphemed God's name. That's Leviticus chapter 24, 11. And in the verse 13, it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring out of the camp the one who cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him and speak to the people of Israel saying, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. It's serious to sin. And it's serious how we take God's name, how we use it in the words that we say and in the actions we try to justify and how it is that we use it so flippantly to just emphasize something might've been bad or something that might've been good. The end of the third commandment has a clause. But the end of the third commandment as a whole is not just speaking to what you say. And here's how you know. The verb in the third commandment is the Hebrew word nasah. It says, you shall not take the name of the If God wanted it to just be a prohibition against what you said, he would say, do not speak the name of the Lord your God in vain. But that's not what it says. God says, do not take. And this verb means to bear up, to carry with you, to lift. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It is a prohibition against how you speak, but it's also a prohibition against how you live. Ezekiel 36 says that God's people will be punished for not representing his name well and how they live. The third commandment is given because God's names and titles must be honored, blessed, praised, celebrated, pronounced, and shared. To treat God's name with disrespect is to treat his gift lightly and to underestimate his power. Do not dishonor God with your actions. See, wherever you go, you carry the name of the Lord. 
because the name of God represents the person of God and the people of God. So just think about the name that the original audience had that heard this third commandment first. They were called Israelites. And they got their name, if you flip back in Genesis, because one of their forefathers, his name is Jacob, he wrestled with God and prevailed and his name was changed to Israel, which means wrestled with and prevailed. See, the people that heard this story first already had a history with God. So we might say a couple of things about the original audience and what they might have known about God. Number one, they might have, they had an experiential knowledge of who God was. So we can say that they knew God in Exodus chapter one through verse, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus is the story of God's deliverance of Israel from slavery. It's the story where he calls Moses from the burning bush, anoints Aaron as the mouthpiece, brings the plagues against Egypt, carries his people out through the Red Sea, destroys Pharaoh and his armies. These people already had a history and experiential knowledge with the name of God because who did Moses learn from the burning bush to say I'm coming on the behalf of God told him said tell him I am that's where we get Jehovah Yahweh to Jehovah Pastor Craig explained that last week they had an experiential knowledge of the name of God. But then we might even say traditionally that they had some knowledge of who God was even before Exodus. They had a grandma or a grandpa or somebody who passed down to them the stories from Genesis. They knew who they were, the Israelites, because maybe they knew Jacob's story. And even further back, So if we're talking about how we take God's name correctly, I'm asking you, how do you take it? Do you take God's name vainly? Or number two this morning, do take it the right way. Do take it the right way. The implicit or the understood but not necessarily stated obligation is to take God's name rightly do not take God's name vainly do not dishonor God's name with words or actions but it's also saying that there is a right way to do it see you can say the name of God you can say his name it's used over 7,000 times in the Bible it's not wrong to say his name it's wrong to say it without weight vainly do take God's name correctly Using God's name means you're representing the person of God. And when we think about the person of God, and we know that maybe traditionally that this people that heard this the first time had an experience with God and then they might have been passed down the stories from Genesis, what names might they have known? See, throughout scripture, God reveals himself through his names. When we study these names, we better understand who God really is. And the meaning behind his names reveal the central personality and nature of the one who bears him. So what names might they have known? Here's one, El Shaddai means God 
Almighty, the Lord God Almighty. It's used in Genesis 17. It describes the one who cares for his people. El Yon is used throughout the Old Testament, but first in Genesis 14 to express sovereignty and majesty. Jehovah Nisi. Moses uses in Exodus 17 where he built an altar after coming out and through the Red Sea, and it means the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. Jacob, back in Genesis, blesses his sons, and he began his prayer by thanking God, Jehovah Ra'ah, who has shepherded him all his life. And it's also where we get this in Psalm 23, it's the same. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Exodus chapter 15, 26. Jehovah Olam, when Abraham made a treaty with Abimelech, he called on Jehovah El Olam, the everlasting God, to seal the promise. Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. In Genesis 22, the name that Abraham uses when God provides the sacrifice so he doesn't have to kill his son. And then Jehovah Elohim, the name of God we read in the first verse of the Bible when it says, in the beginning God. This is the first name, the name of power, the name to be feared, the same name given in, in Exodus 20, verse seven with this third commandment, you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. See, God's people, the Israelites, knew these names. And they were not to use them simply for emphasis or any other unworthy objective in their speech or in their actions to swear by. With all that they knew of God, all that he was to them, to take God's name is not limited to just using it as a curse word, but it would be to take God's name unfaithfully. Because when you learn that Jehovah Jireh is the God who will provide and then you question whether or not God's gonna provide for you when you're his people, when you hear Jehovah, the one who sustains, God's in control and in power above all things and working everything out to his glory. How do you take God's name? Do take it in faith. Take everything that God has revealed in the Bible because the original audience maybe had, you know, close to 60 chapters worth of knowledge. They had Genesis and, you know, traditionally, and they may have experientially Exodus chapters 1 through 19. That's, that's all they might have known of God. But we have more than that. Do take God's name faithfully. Faith is God opening a door for you to experience him in obedience, to experience his provision, his power, his joy, his sovereignty and his majesty, to experience his grace and mercy, to see God more than just the commander of do, do nots and do's, but to see God for all that he is. Take God's name and faith when he opens that door for you to experience him. The Bible's not just checking a list 
box for the purpose of completion. When you obey the Bible, you're not just saying, okay, I'm doing this because the Bible says, and you miss everything if that's what you do. Because the faith is, you know, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And by it, everyone we read in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, by it, his people were justified because God opened the door. And when they obeyed, they experienced who he was. Take God's name faithfully. And lastly, this morning, you take God's name. The application of all this information has to come back to what are you gonna do after you've heard what you've heard? How do you apply this to your life? Let me give you a couple of ways. How you use God's name indicates how you value him. You must use God's name correctly because he created you. Names are given by the person who creates. And God created you and he called you the Imago Dei, the image of God. So every person, every living human being is an image bearer of God. You take God's name everywhere, whether you're a Christian or not. Whoever creates something gets to name it and God's given you a name. You were created to use God's name correctly because his name stands behind his, stands behind his promises. If God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, the only person that is able to ever promise that is the person that said it. I cannot promise you that, but God can. If God says, I will provide for all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19, then the person that said it is the one who has the power to fulfill it. You were created to take God's name correctly. You were created to make, take God's name as your ultimate joy. That's what we read in Psalm. Psalm 511 says, but let the, all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt you. Psalm 81 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 1849 says, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing your name. Psalm 138.2 says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, your name and your word. And so in many others we read in the Psalms, I will sing your name, bless your name, wait for your name, exalt your name, take refuge in your name. The one who created you gave his name correctly so that you would find your joy in him. Because Colossians 3.17 says, for whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, that's the command of this third commandment, is that it's not just a word thing, it's an action thing. Take God's name correctly because he created you. Take God's name correctly because he stands behind his promises, because he's your ultimate joy. 
Take God's name to others. The third commandment says, you shall not take it in vain, but if you take it faithfully and reverently and with weight, that means it goes with you. And if I were to go and ask the five people you're around most to describe Jesus based on how you act every day, would they say, yes, this person is a little Christ. They act like Jesus. So you take God's name with you to others. And if you're supposed to do it in both word and deed, what words are you supposed to say? Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations. We're to take the gospel to people and give them hope. Hope in what? There's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved, Jesus. The name that every, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So you're taking God's name with you. Are you taking it correctly? Are you taking it with both what you do and what you say? Ephesians 4.29 says that no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good and uplifting, that it may impart grace to others in their time of need. How do you take God's name with you? Take it to others. You shall not take means you shall take correctly. And if you're a Christian, you take God's name, Jesus, you take Jesus' name with you when you leave your house. But as we wrap this thing up this morning, you can take God's name to be saved today. And one of the things that the world is doing a really good job at right now is identifying you by what's wrong and identifying everything in our society based on what's messed up to cause division. So anything that causes division is not of God. So whether it's you know, gender or homosexuality or race, whatever it is, it's causing division. But you do not have to be named according to your problem. Mark chapter five, I feel like I preach this every time I'm up here, but it is my favorite, if not, if one of, if not my favorite stories in the whole Bible is a lady, uh, it's called the woman with the discharge of blood. And that's her name. When we meet her at the beginning of Mark chapter five, that's what it, she's identified as. She's identified by her problem. And then she either has an experience with Jesus where she learns that that person's name is Jesus. Or her problem's so bad that as soon as what we read is that she spent all her money on the physicians and that no one was able to make her better. Somebody tells her, but there's one who can. And somebody takes that name with them to her and she learns it. And so we meet her in Mark chapter five and it says that she is a woman with a discharge of blood and that her faith was such that if she just walked up behind Jesus, she believed that if she just touched his clothes, she'd be made well. And Jesus is in a crowd and she sneaks up behind him. I believe she did sneak up behind him and sneaks up behind him and just touches his clothes. And it says immediately the blood dried up. And it says immediately Jesus knew that power had went out of him. And what's really neat right here is that because there was a, a crowd around Jesus and Jesus looks around and he says, who touched me? And everybody's like, man, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Look at the crowd around us. And Jesus knew that somebody had come to him differently 
than everybody else. See, everybody else had the opportunity to to touch Jesus that way, but only one did. And it says that when she learned what happened, it says she came back, fell at Jesus' feet, and told him everything. And then at the end of her story, it says that Jesus looked at her and says, daughter, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Somebody gave her a name. She put some weight in it. She volitionally, with her actions, lived out that name. And then she got a new name. She was a woman with a discharge of blood. She was identified by her problem. But then at the end, it says that Jesus calls her daughter. Child of the king. Princess. You get a new name when you use Jesus' name to save you. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Names matter because names change your eternal address. One name does. So how are you gonna take God's name today? As Kevin comes up today, think about it. I am guilty of taking God's name in vain. One of the hardest things to do as a pastor is that often you get, you have to live what you're going to preach before you ever have to preach it, which was really funny when I thought I was going to have to preach the Sabbath. I'm like, Lord, I know I need to rest. I did. For two months, Pastor Craig and I both thought I was going to have to preach on the Sabbath. Then we were actually on our way back from, a, and we were in the airport in, my, uh, in Dallas and listening to Pastor Craig preach last week. And he kept preaching the Sabbath sermon. I was like, man, why don't you just preach it? And then we get back and we're like, oh, we're wrong. You're preaching on commandment number three, not four. And all of a sudden, I'm not worried about rest anymore. <laughs> I thought my biggest sin in my life at that point would be that I wasn't slowing down enough and I wasn't resting. And maybe that was God's sense of humor saying that I wanted you to learn two things this time. When I had to go start going through this, I realized that I am the one who has taken God's name in vain because I'm the kind of person that says, that has said in the past, I believe God's leading, you know, to this. or I've used God's name to leverage in order to get my way. I've been flippant and casual and I've not given it the weight it deserves. I've probably, I don't remember doing it, but I've probably texted OMG to somebody. I've said, oh my gosh. I know because I had to prepare this sermon that that was God's way of bringing me into repentance. How are you going to take God's name? Are you going to take it repentantly? Are you going to begin talking and taking it more carefully, realizing that it goes with you if your name is Christian, wherever you go? It's in what you say. It's in the things that you post on social media. It's in 
the history of where you've been on the internet. It's in your workplace, it's in your school, it's at your home. See, many of us are scared to put a sticker that says Malvern Hill Baptist Church on the back of our cars because we want to speak. And what we're saying is, I don't want to be identified by that because I want to sin. So you take names with you. Are you going to begin taking God's name more carefully? Are you going to begin taking it more obediently because God's name reflects his promises? If he's Jehovah Jireh, then you don't have to worry about God providing for you. What you might have to worry about is how he's going to provide. If he's Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, Philippians chapter four, verse six says that be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's all about the name. Are you gonna take God's name, Jesus's name to be saved? There's somebody here today that doesn't know him as your Lord and Savior. And for the wages of sin is death. We see that in the stories of God's punishment for breaking his commands. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, we have, I've often wrongly thought about what sin actually is. See, sin is not, you know, when you're in the water behind the boat and you're flailing around and you're you know, trying to swim. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're not flipping and floating and trying to swim behind the boat. You're already lifeless at the bottom of the sea. And there's one name that saves you. Somebody here needs to know that and that if you want to talk about Jesus being your Lord and Savior, I'd love to talk to you or point out somebody who can. If you want to come to this offer and repent and do your business with God, this, this is your opportunity. But however the Lord leads you today, please respond obediently to his name. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the power of your spirit that works through it. Thank you, God, that you've given us your name for those who have called upon your name to be saved, but also thank you for the truth that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to know you as Lord and Savior. So today I pray for that one that doesn't know you, that you would save them. I also pray, God, for those who have not used your name correctly, including myself. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. We ask you to work in our hearts and lives to bring us into that reverent, repentant response now. In Christ's name, amen.